You're listening to a very special Christmas episode of Chickens Can't See Cubes, the podcast all about absolutely 100% true facts that are not made up. I'm your host, Piper Dawes, and with me, as always, is Christopher Parr, director of the Munchausen Institute for Totally Real Research. Merry Christmas, Chris. Ho, ho, ho. Are you... Was that Santa? Are you Santa? Um, I'm not Santa. I was doing an impression of Santa saying ho, ho, ho. Okay, well, thank you for clearing that up. Chris has gathered his favourite Christmas-flavoured facts from the Institute's research, and he's going to share them with us today. So, Chris, is the Institute all ready to celebrate Christmas? Are you doing anything exciting and festive? Well, because we're all working from home due to asbestos and COVID-related reasons, we haven't been able to get together for our annual office Christmas party, where we exchange secret Santa gifts, drink mulled wine, and make Christmas tree decorations based on our favourite facts of the year. Oh, that's a real shame because that actually sounds like an absolute banger of a party. They are pretty good. Um, Instead, this year, we've posted our gifts to each other and then had a, a little party on Zoom where we drank mulled wine and showed off the decorations we we made at home. Oh, that's lovely. What decorations did you make? I made a lovely little David Boreanaz for the top of my tree. Oh, instead of a star, you've got the Aurora Borealis. <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> I was going to go for Hitler Mensch, because that's one of my favourite facts from the show. But I thought, maybe don't have Hitler on my tree. Do you know what? I think you made the right call, Chris. <laughs> okay, well, I'm doing my shopping for Christmas at the moment, Chris. What do you want? I'd really like a PS5. You want a games console? No, no, no. Sorry, Piper. I don't mean a PlayStation 5. Um, I mean the Prospect Source 5. It's a system we use to find and sort sources for facts. And the PS5 is the latest version. It's supposed to be really good. Okay. Can you get them on Amazon? They only come from a specialist retailer called Sony. Okay. I might get you a voucher and you can get it yourself. (laughs) All right. Before we get on with the actual show, Piper, I've written a Christmas song. What? No way. Oh, okay. Well, I've written alternate lyrics to the Christmas song, The Twelve Days of Christmas. Okay, okay. What is this in aid of? Is this a charity single or...? or... It's in aid of Christmas. (laughs) I mean, we can try releasing it afterwards and see if anybody wants to pay for this shit, but... um... (laughs) Okay, so here goes. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me twelve Brazilian Ghostbusters, eleven Beatles, not Beatles, ten Mr. Cucumbers, nine Viking Puppies, eight Dancing Amoebas, seven Orthrus Lizards, six Hitler Mention, five Crab Wars, four Disco Ants, three Hairy Counts, two Finger Puppets, and a Chicken Who Can't See Cubes. <laughs> That has made me inordinately happy. Thank you. (laughs) What a wonderful gift for our listeners. I actually have a Christmas present for you, Piper. What? A Christmas present for little me, your podcast wife? What have I done to deserve that? Well, nothing, obviously, but um, it is the season. But you'll have to wait till the end of the episode. Oh, I'm really bad at... at, um, at What what is that thing called? Waiting. (laughs) Yeah, waiting. 
Delayed gratification. That's the one. Okay, well, fine. I, I'll, I'll wait, I guess, if that's what you want. Should we, should we do a fact? <laughs> yeah, should go we on. Do that? So that brings us on to our first Christmas-flavoured fact. What's this, Chris? Apocryphal Gospels list several unusual gifts brought for the baby Jesus at the Nativity. So for those who don't know, there are a great number of historical texts that discuss the life of Jesus. Some of the New Testament apocrypha are either lost or fragmented, but what does exist is full of fascinating stories about the Christian Messiah. We're talking Jesus fighting dragons, turning clay into butterflies. There's also challenges to the current canonical stories, such as the miracle of Jesus turning wine into water because he didn't want all the party guests to drink his booze, the feeding of the five. And, of course, the alternative crucifixion story in the Gospel according to Bart, where Jesus managed to talk his way out of being crucified altogether, and his logic arguments were considered part of his many miracles. Not many of the apocrypha speak of the birth of Jesus, though. What examples have you got for us, Chris? So, as everyone knows, in the Gospel of Matthew, the three wise men bring the baby Jesus gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Meh. Frankincense and myrrh are aromatic resins used in incense and perfume, if you don't know. Yes, that is true. That, I, well, I didn't know that. I mean, sure, you're right. but <laughs> The gospel, according to Jeremy, also has the wise men gifting gold, frankincense and myrrh, as well as lard and crushed animal bones. Right. Obviously, it's a different time, isn't it, Chris? I mean, gold, frankincense and myrrh. Gold, I can understand. I can work with that. Frankincense and myrrh, you say they're like like smelly things, like bath bombs and like incense sticks. That, I mean, that's fine. You know, that, if that's what he wants, he, he wants he wants a nice little bath. That's fine. But like lard, why lard? And and what what are these things for? Well, lard is of course used in the production of soap, while crushed bone was a component in early toothpastes. So this is basically like when an unimaginative relative buys you a a Lynx toiletry set for Christmas. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I understand that. Okay. So there are a few of these, these apocryphal Gospels. So what other examples are there, Chris? In the Gospel of Nigel, the Magi bring the baby Jesus a group of slaves. It's a baby, though. Presumably Mary has some say in this and she can just use the slaves for a bit and then just give them to Jesus after. I like how you've just glossed over the issue of slavery there, Piper, as if it means nothing to you. It's a, it's a different time, Chris. Well, I mean, the Bible is big on slaves. Yeah, yeah. You've got to, you, If you're going to get all the way through the Bible, you've got to just sort of deal with that, really. God loves slavery. He fucking loves it, doesn't he? Doesn't he? He loves a good slave. The Old Testament has slaves out of their fucking arse. You want something done, just conquer a city and enslave all the men and then, for good measure, rape all the women. Jobs are good. So it's no wonder that the wise men thought that human beings reduced to mere property was an appropriate gift for a newborn baby. Yeah. It's their fault. It's their fault we've still got slaves. Because if Jesus had gone, do you know what? Do you know what? Slaves' lives matter. And you can fuck off with all of this, uh, this, this, this class system, and let's just all be equals. If he'd have done that, maybe we'd be in a completely different scenario now. So, so I think, I think it's the, it's the why the not so wise men. Ah, see, <laughs> that have ruined that have ruined this country. <laughs> We've got a bit of nationalist there. 
I did, I did a little bit, didn't I? <laughs> so it almost sounds like that it was like a gift to represent his moral compass as a growing human being in 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 wherever it was he lived, Turkey, Israel, Israel. Israel. That's the one. Thank you. Yeah, Turkey. I don't know. Am I? <laughs> Your dad's a fucking minister. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it doesn't mean I listened. <laughs> This is great. This is really interesting. So obviously these aren't examples that are canonical, but they are examples that exist in the human race, in the world. Like these are these are these are things. So they have to be taken as, you know, it's possible that these are real things that happened. Maybe Jesus did have a group of slaves as a baby. Fine. I believe that. Sounds very plausible. What others, Chris? Any more? The Gospel of Kyle has the wise men give the baby Jesus a few buttons a piece of string, and a half-eaten apple. Right, so, so this is, um, is, this, is, is this gifts from... Scholars who study the apocryphal Gospels have gotten through a great deal of ink discussing the symbolic significance of the buttons, string, and half-eaten apple, scouring the Old Testament for prophecies of which the items might be a fulfilment and analysing the Mediterranean societies of the time for any cultural significance contained in the items. Some iconoclasts within academia have controversially suggested that the Magi simply turned up without real gifts and just gave them aside whatever happened to be in their pockets. Right, yeah. I mean, the Magi, like, they came from a long way away. They came from a long way. And they went all the way, on, probably on camels, on, in the desert, I'm told that's a fairly common way of traveling at the time in that place. Um, and and th- they'd have gone a long way and just gone, got to the staple and just gone, wait, shit. Guys, guys, we fucked up. <laughs> We've forgotten the thing that we came for. <laughs> We've forgotten to bring the gifts. What have you got? Let's let, open your pockets. Pockets. I know it's just a robe. I've got a button. <laughs> well, yes, okay, fine. Do we do we even have buttons in 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 the, the nothing century? <laughs> no, but fine. <laughs> we have buttons. Okay. Buttons, string, half eaten apple. That's good. Fine. Isn't this guy the Messiah? Yes. Well, scholars will maintain for centuries afterwards that this is of significance. Doesn't matter what it is. Are you sure? Yes. Okay, fine. And that's how it went. I'm sure, I, and and that's that's weird, Chris. I mean, I I I can't I can't fathom how this is uh, this has come to pass. But I mean, if the Gospel of Kyle says it happened, <laughs> fine, fine. Oh, that was a while, wasn't it? Um, I mean, it's funny you should mention at length the wise men forgetting gifts. Because uh, my favourite account of the Nativity has to be from the Gospel according to Ian, in which the Magi turn up to the birth of Jesus sans gifts, then claim that they've just left them on their camels, leave to go get them, and then never come back. I mean, I've done that. Ooh, ooh. Do you know what? I left a very expensive gift that I brought. <laughs> that I bought you on my camel. Yeah, I've left it on my camel. 
And you know what, Chris? I never bought them a gift. I didn't buy them one at all. Very clever, these wise men, aren't they? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's why they're called. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, <laughs> good. Um, <laughs> I've not actually heard of the Gospels you've mentioned, Kyle and Nigel, Ian, and all of that. But have you got any interesting passages from them? I'll read the passage about the Nativity from the Gospel of Ian because uh, the others are basically just the same as Matthew, but with different gifts. And when they had come into the house, the Magi saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And Mary did clear her throat and look expectantly upon the Magi. And the Magi did exchange awkward glances and mutter among themselves. And then the Magi said unto Mary that of course they had brought gifts for the child and that they had just left the gifts on their camels. And when the Magi walked towards the door, Mary asked why they all had to go. And the Magi, who did continue to walk toward the door, did say unto Mary that the gifts were quite heavy and it would take all three of them to carry them in. And the Magi left the manger. And then did Mary, mother of the child, hear the sound of camels being mounted and then the sound of camels galloping away. And so was the Messiah left without gifts on the occasion of his birth which quite annoyed Mary, his mother. That's it. It's one thing just saying that this happened. It's another thing actually hearing it from the witnesses' accounts. It's a wonderful account of quite a beautiful moment of the wise men stating their case and going to get the gifts and miraculously not coming back. I mean, it's a sad moment for Mary and and the baby, obviously, but like it's written down, so it's probably exactly what happened, isn't it, Chris? I mean, this is like YouTube videos. You can't make it up. I've got another question to ask you, haven't I? Yes. Okay. Okay, listen, Chris, right, what would the Institute bring the baby Jesus as a gift? Is this the Institute as it is now, somehow going back in time to give the baby Jesus a gift? Or is this some ancient version of the Munchausen Institute, which existed in the Mediterranean and for some reason attended the Nativity? I mean, I don't know. Did did a version of the Institute exist in... Well, no, but I mean, you're the one asking the question, so you sort it out. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's fair, but you excited me for a moment. Um, uh, okay. Um, so let's imagine for a moment an ancient medieval version of... And it wouldn't have been medieval that came after this time period. Oh, does medieval not just mean old? <laughs> no, it doesn't, Piper. An ancient version of the Institute. If this were an ancient version of the Institute, I suppose we would have brought the baby Jesus the gift of facts, maybe like those lists of things that happened on the date of your birth. Although given that this was 2,000 years ago, not much would have probably happened before Jesus was born. So, you know, maybe just a teddy or something. Okay, well, let's go with uh, let's let's go with the idea that it's the modern institute. If it's the institute going back in time, then maybe a note saying something like "Don't trust Judas" or "Stay away from Jerusalem" or "Slavery is bad." Maybe sort that out. Okay, so essentially, your gift to him would be a gift for all of humanity to either stop slavery or stop him being killed and then resurrected. Yeah, stop Christianity. Yeah. Stop slavery or stop Christianity. One or the other. Well, I bet if you stop one, you stop the other. You know what? Yeah. 
Okay, so that brings us on to our second fact. What's this one, Chris? Before the Christmas tree, it was traditional to bring a Christmas goat into your home. Right, great. Obviously great. Fantastic. The tradition of having a Christmas tree started in the 16th century in Germany after a lot of people have complained they had nowhere to hang their tinsel and baubles. But I assume that common Christmas traditions as a whole started around that time. But now you're telling me there was like a predecessor to the tree. Why Why was it a goat, Chris? So as with many Christmas traditions, the Christmas goat has its origin in pagan tradition and was then appropriated by Christianity. The goat features in many pre-Christian winter festivals, while the Christian version is thought to represent the farm animals present at the nativity. And under this Christian tradition, you'd bring a goat into your home at the beginning of Advent and keep it until Twelfth Night. What, so like a goat just lived in the house for a bit and that was considered Christmassy? Yeah. Okay, what do they do with the goat? It was traditional to decorate the Christmas goat, or at least it was traditional to attempt to decorate the Christmas goat, as the goat would unsurprisingly resist having things draped or pinned to it. It's believed that the white trim on contemporary Christmas outfits isn't supposed to be fur, but is actually based on the bandages people had to apply to Christmas goat-based injuries. That's fascinating. That's fascinating and incredibly plausible. So when you say decorated, I mean, I can't, I literally can't picture how you would decorate a goat. How, how was the goat traditionally decorated, Chris? Not entirely unlike how Christmas trees are decorated now. People would try to hang baubles, mistletoe and holly and tinsel on their goats. Maybe some piece of crap their kids had made. The very brave would attempt to tie a star or an angel to the goat's head. Okay, okay. I mean, I can see that. I can see this being fine. I mean, it's not normal, is it? It's a bit weird. But like, presumably, not everyone had a, like a proper goat enclosure or or know anything about keeping goats. No, but it was important for families to keep their goats for the whole Christmas period and keep their goats alive, even if they had no goats rearing knowledge. Because if the Christmas goat escaped or died before Twelfth Night, it was believed to augur bad luck for the coming year. Oh, okay. So they had to put some effort in. It wasn't just like a, we've got a goat now. Let's just like bang it in the corner, put some tinsel on it. Bang it in the corner? What are you imagining, Piper? No, I mean, okay, yeah. Okay, there's a a vernacular I wasn't... (laughs) wasn't thinking about too much and, and now i've now created some sort of um <laughs> oh, i've ruined this for everyone haven't i um <laughs> right listen this is weird it is weird it's not this is weird chris i know there's a lot of weird stuff in this show but this is weird basically all houses had a pet goat for the festive period i mean that is a lot of goats chris Well, not in rural communities, which were less populated. And goats existed anyway in those communities. There were already goats just, you know, outside in their paddock. And then over Christmas, you'd bring them into your home. In cities, though, where goats, as now, were less readily available, at least whole and living, households would make or buy fake Christmas goats, usually carved out of wood. Oh, cool. Okay, so the goat is 
clearly important enough for Christmas for them to need one. So they're like, okay, well, we live on the like 35th floor of like a... No, hang on. No. How long ago is this? <laughs> um, this was like over 500 years ago. Right. They didn't have skyscrapers 500 years ago. <laughs> oh, you're learning, Piper. <laughs> oh, yes. Right. This is the... I mean, this podcast is great for a lot of things. No assault rifles, no laser guided missile systems, no car parks, no nine inch nails, and no skyscrapers. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, so they had wooden goats in their fucking houses. Fine, good, good, good. That's normal. The Ursat's Christmas goats were kind of cheating, obviously. A wooden goat can't die or escape, so the superstitious element is removed. There's no symbolic exchange between the family and any mystical forces. But a wooden goat is much easier to decorate. That's true. That's the Christmas spirit, isn't it, Chris? That's the important thing. The important thing is sticking some shit on something. Yeah, sticking some glittery shit on something that any other time in the year you'd be called mental for doing so. Fine weird as christmas right so as normal and completely reasonable as this tradition sounds it came to an end at one point didn't it chris and we, and we had christmas trees like normal people why did the tradition of having goats in your house during christmas actually come to an end well it was very quickly replaced by the christmas tree christmas trees are much less likely to cause injury they won't smash up your house or shit on the carpet the trade-off of course, is that you can't eat a Christmas tree after Christmas. I mean, technically, you probably could, but I... <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. No. What you're suggesting, possibly, you're bringing a goat into your house, which can be later used as food for potentially like the uh, the Christmas Day meal. It sounds like a more ergonomical, or, sorry... Ergonomical! <laughs> They're not sitting on the goat, Piper. <laughs> That's the wrong word. Economical. Hang on. It sounds like a, a more economical tradition than trees and turkeys because it's combining traditions, essentially. So you br you're bringing in the decoration and then you're like, well, you're done. I'm bored of watching you tinseling about. I'm going to eat you now. And then that's, that's done. Yeah, but there's the symbolic exchange because you need to keep the goat alive for longer than you usually would until 12 night. So you're still putting in the effort. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's not like a Tamagotchi, is it? It's a real live animal in your house. And you've got to keep it alive. During Christmas as well, there's a lot of pressure at Christmas and you've got to, got to do a lot of stuff. And they've got to keep a live animal alive until the end. And yeah, like that. Yeah, I can understand why they, they changed it to trees, to be honest, Chris. So are there, are there any other strange Christmas traditions that the Institute's aware of? Throughout the US, there is a tradition whereby the winner of the local Baby of the Year competition gets to play Jesus in the town's nativity scene. Okay. Hey, don't think that's weird. I mean, no weirder than having a goat in your house. I mean, you've topped, you've, you've peaked. <laughs> well, all right, Piper, how about this one? In Ukraine, it's traditional for children to write to Father Christmas. I feel like you're trapping me in some way, but I don't know how. That's a normal thing everywhere, is it not? Well, unlike other countries where children write to ask for gifts, Ukrainian children write to insult Father Christmas, making comments about his weight, his age, and his unsatisfactory performance in his marital bed. To what end? It's a tradition. 
To what end do you bring a fucking fake tree into your house and stick shit on it? Well, I put tinsel on mine, Chris. I don't know about you. <laughs> oh, well, speaking of, in some parts of Spain, it's traditional to gift a loved one some of your fecal matter. Why? The idea is that it's always better to give something you've made yourself and <laughs> what something you've definitely made yourself. Poo. So that brings us on to our third fact. What have we got here, Chris? In Turkish tradition, Santa Claus is accompanied by three naked zombie children. Right. <laughs> As we all know, Santa is a large, brandy drunk, reverse burglar who invented Christmas, presumably to perpetuate product demand all year round in capitalist societies around the world by enforcing a perception of magic and wonder to materialism. But as far as I was aware, he did all his gift-giving single-handed on Christmas Eve. Who are these children, Chris, and why are they naked and dead? So one of the originating figures behind Santa Claus is Saint Nicholas, who was born and lived in what is now Turkey. Being a saint, he had various miracles attributed to him, such as producing gold to help a poor family and rebuking waves about to capsize a ship on which he was sailing. One of the stranger miracles St. Nicholas was said to have performed involved him resurrecting three children who had been killed and pickled by an evil butcher. Cool. I, I knew nothing about this, by the way. I knew nothing about this Messiah Santa that you seem to be putting forward for me tonight. Why, why did the butcher pickle the children in the first place, Chris? This happened during a famine when animal meat was scarce. So the butcher wanted to sell the kiddie meat as piggy meat. Oh, God. That's not very Christmassy. He clearly wasn't a very good butcher. I mean, killing kids for their meat. What are you doing? There's hardly any meat on a child. You'd have been much better off murdering a few adults. There's much more meat on them. I mean, I've never assumed you're a serial killer before, Chris, but <laughs> that that whole little monologue there sounded terrifying. Um, so <laughs> Is that your whole answer to that question? Well, I did answer your question in the first bit about it being a famine, and then the other bit was just a bit of, you know... A bit of fun. <laughs> a good old laugh. Good old family fun. Okay, okay. All right, so I mean, this is a very weird story about St. Nicholas, but how did that become like Santa being followed around by a bunch of zombie kids? So because Christians are weird, the miracle of the pickled kids was quite popular back in the history times with many paintings and stained glass windows of St. Nicholas depicting him with the three children, who are usually naked, obviously. Obviously. So when the figure of Santa Claus congealed out of his various predecessors, including St. Nicholas, the naked zombie children followed with him in Turkey. To paraphrase Robert Evans, the naked zombie kids stay in the picture. So these kids are part of the whole folklore of the Christmas period then for Turkey. What do the children actually look like? So in Turkish depictions of Santa Claus, the jolly festive figure is almost always accompanied by the three naked zombie children. But the bodily integrity of the children varies between depictions. 
Sometimes they are just normal, naked children following an elderly man around as he invades people's homes. Other depictions have Santa's naked zombie children in various states of decomposition. A bit of exposed bone here, strips of skin hanging loose there, maybe a missing limb. Lovely. I mean, whatever gets you into the Christmas spirit. (laughs) You could say it's not the same magical Santa in his nice zombie-free sleigh in the skies of Turkey on Christmas Eve then. No, while children in other countries lie in bed, eagerly listening for the sound of sleigh bells, Turkish children wait for the sounds of tiny, shambling feet and the furtive whisperings of small children. Lovely. It's not Mariah Carey, is it? Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> Right, well, okay, so I've not been to Turkey, but it sounds great, especially at Christmas. This is what we, we see as Halloween, really, is like this, this weirdness, this, this like zombie, zombie fucking children. Like that's, that's October, mate. Yeah, it's, they're getting their seasons confused, Chris. I think, I think, you know, we've got it planned out. We know what we're doing. So listen, scrap that bit because I was just rambling. I was hoping it would go somewhere good, but it didn't. Um, okay, so this is very strange what you're telling me, and I've never heard it before, but I'm going to accept it. That's fine. But how have the decomposing children been incorporated in Turkey into their traditional Christmas? So uh, traditional Christmas decorations in Turkey include little zombie figurines and a barrel, sometimes with little heads poking out of the top. Oh, cool. Okay, so it's almost like a nativity scene, but with zombie children. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of the Christmas elf costume popular in other parts of the world, people in Turkey often dress up as zombies during the holiday season. I mean, I could get behind this because I, I, I mean, I love Halloween. I think this is like a, an extension of Halloween. It sounds like Turkey have just basically got Halloween right the way through winter. Pickled ham is part of the traditional Turkish Christmas dinner and is called pickle children. Wow. Okay. <laughs> And there's a popular Christmas comedy film in Turkey called Your Santa Now, about a man who accidentally kills Santa Claus and then has his house invaded by naked zombie children trying to convince him to take up the mantle of Santa. Western audiences who have seen the film describe it as the Santa Claus meets the Night of the Living Dead. Fuck, that sounds fucking incredible. Wow. I can't actually tell you how much I want to watch that film. That sounds incredible. Good. Great. Excellent. Other words. Uh, So aside from resurrection and being able to deliver Christmas presents to everyone in the world in one night, are there any other powers that Santa Claus supposedly has, according to different countries, Chris? If a child happens to be awake when dead Moroz, the Russian Santa Claus, appears... Then he pours vodka down the child's throat to put them to sleep and cloud their memory when they wake up. I mean, judging by what we already know about Russian folklore, that in no way surprises me whatsoever. (laughs) Any others? It has become traditional in Japanese cities to tell children that Santa enters their homes through the toilet. Oh, well, instead of instead of through the fireplace. Yeah, because so many people live in apartments and flats in Japanese cities, the usual image of Santa as a, a chimney jockey doesn't make sense. But all flats have a toilet. So the Japanese urban Santa 
enters buildings through the, the water pipes. In fact, some Japanese depictions show Santa as an octopus squeezing through water pipes. Oh, wow. Okay, so they've really, really evolved the, the tradition to fit with urban lifestyles. Yeah. I love when you have this pause when I'm saying something kind of obvious and you're like, I need to reply, but it's just... <laughs> That's be literally yes. what I've just said, Piper. <laughs> like Japanese city dwellers, I never had a chimney as a kid. So my parents told me that Father Christmas has a magic key that can unlock any door. And that's how he gets into houses without chimneys. Oh. Looking back, it's a bit creepy. Just some old man who can just walk into your house whenever he wants. No, it's, it's sort of like the janitor for the world. He's not cleaning up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. You are, I wouldn't call you cynical, but you are at least a skeptic. Do you believe in Santa? Of course not. I'm an adult. I stopped believing in Father Christmas when I was five, after months of rigorous research and fact-checking. <laughs> and with that, we are brought round to our fourth and final fact of this very special Christmas show. What's this one, Chris? The War on Christmas briefly became real when a fight broke out between Christmas mascots. No. No, no, I'm not doing mascots. Oh, you mean after hands the bladder? Yeah, no, I'm not. Why? I mean, I assume this is, you're doing this because, because of last week. I'm not doing it again, or the week before. I mean, it's all very close to me right now. We're not putting me through this again. I'm not dealing with another fucking mascot fact. Why are you doing this to me now, Chris? Let's not do this. All right, then. See you next week, everyone. Bye. Yeah, fucking bye. Right, well, um, I'll, um, I'll send this over to you for Restoration Piper, and then you can send it back for editing. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. <laughs> no, come back. Come back, because this is the only fucking social interaction I have. <laughs> okay, fine. Off microphone, I'm going to have to do the shakes on my own and, and just like deal with this interaction. To put your mind at ease, Piper, there are no anthropomorphic bladders or other organs in this fact. Okay, I mean, that's slightly better, but it's just the giant people with pretend eyes. I don't like it. All right, fine. Tell me about the Christmas mascots, Chris. So in 2016, a Christmas festival in the town of Margo, Iowa, had the usual man dressed as Santa Claus, who the kids could talk to. A Christian group wanted to add a man dressed as Jesus to teach the kids about the quote-unquote true meaning of Christmas. Uh, right, okay. I mean, that sounds lovely and not at all confusing for children. So what happened? The US does, technically speaking, enjoy the separation of church and state. Not that you'd know it to look at them. <laughs> And state and local laws forbid overt religious displays. And as the festival was organised by the state, they denied the group's request to enthrall children with exciting religious dogma. Okay, so the, basically they weren't allowed to do it. So they what? Did they just have to go somewhere private and, and dress up as Jesus? Well, citing various legal rights and constitutional amendments they'd willfully misinterpreted, the Christian group turned up to the festival anyway, with not one, but several Jesuses. 
including adult Jesus and men dressed as baby Jesus. Immediately terrifying. (laughs) Having gotten wind of the group's intentions, the local chapter of the Church of Satan, who routinely oppose religious groups' attempts to force their made-up beliefs on public forums, also turned up to the festival to thwart the Jesuses. The Satanists, delighting in the opportunity to make fun of Christianity, were also dressed up, but as a cornucopia of secular Christmas characters. Oh, okay, so they were a bunch of Jesuses, mascot Jesuses, I'm de- I'm dealing with this in the in the, in the only way. I- not mascot Jesus, like people just dressed as Jesus. It's not some giant felt Jesus. It's just a man with like a, a tunic and a beard, and another man in the nappy. You you started this fact with the word mascots, and I've yeah, but mascot doesn't automatically mean a man in a felt costume. You're the one who's fixated on that because you need psychological help, not me. <laughs> Thank you for bringing me back to reality, Chris. Okay, so there's a bunch of Jesuses. A bunch of Jesuses and a bunch of secular Christmas people. What are they? So a Santa Claus, obviously. Mrs. Claus. What does Mrs. Claus even do? I mean, in the traditional sense, she's not got a job. Well, in the traditional sense, I suppose her job is to stay in the kitchen. (laughs) Good point. Uh, Good, okay. Uh, What other Christmas characters have we got in this little skirmish? Christmas elves. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Ebenezer Scrooge, Bob Cratchit, Kermit the Frog as Bob Cratchit. What, both of those? That's great. The Holiday Armadillo, (laughs) John McClane, Kevin McAllister, The Wet Bandits, The Sticky Bandits, Jack Skellington, Jack Skellington as Sandy Claus, The Christmas Wizard, The Christmas Warlock, Jeff in the Box, Troy Soldier, Britta Bot, Teddy Pierce, Ballerani, Baby Doll Shirley, and the Christmas Pterodactyl. <laughs> Genuinely wasn't expecting you to have the list ready to go. That's <laughs> I'm gonna need a moment. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> so we had the Christians on one side and they had like seven fucking Jesuses. And then on the other side we had all of that. I'm guessing they all got on really well and had tea and cakes. Well, though the standoff between the two sides began peacefully, it quickly descended into an all-out brawl between the adult and baby Jesuses and the secular Christmas characters. Oh, so okay, so that was the start of the fight. So the, the adults and baby Jesuses got really annoyed, and then... What, right, okay, fine. I mean, <laughs> so this is a very weird war to picture, Chris. I've got to be perfectly honest with you. This is very strange. <laughs> Who 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 won who won this war? The brawl itself was essentially a draw. However, the broader victory went to the Church of Satan, as they not only prevented an overtly and public display of religion, but also demonstrated to all the children watching that Jesus, adult or baby, is perhaps not the peace-loving hippie his followers often want him depicted as. Oh, I mean, that's that's quite nice, actually. That's quite that's quite a wholesome takeaway from this whole thing. How is it wholesome? I mean, I've kind of forgotten what you said now. <laughs> it was like two seconds ago. I'm at the end of the wine. <laughs> right, okay. The last bit was, well, basically, they won because now all the kids watching will have seen Jesus beating the shit out of Santa Claus, thereby undermining Christianity. That was the point. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> 
I don't know what the fuck I heard. I'm going to have to listen back to that recording. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to respond to any of that. I, 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 I'm going to ask you a slightly unrelated question, Chris. Is that okay? Before, before we wrap up, have there been any other Christmas-related fights that the Institute's aware of? There was the Great Turkey Revolt of 1879. The animal turkey, not the country turkey. Okay. In which hundreds of turkeys escaped from a farm in Pennsylvania and terrorised a nearby town. What, during Christmas? Yeah, I mean, that's when, you know, you get all the turkeys together for mass slaughter. Okay, yeah, fair enough, yeah. So they, they all escaped and they rampaged a town. Yeah. To this day, residents of the town have a vegetarian Christmas dinner and enjoy an uneasy truce with the wild turkeys who live in the forest surrounding the town, many of whom are descendants from the original Turkey rebels. Wonderful. Are there any other, any other Christmas-related fights? There were also the Turbo Man riots of 1996, in which parents across America beat the shit out of each other in order to nab the last plastic doll for their screaming children. going to do the end of the episode now that was very hold fun. on hold it. on piper don't you want your christmas present <gasps> well as i live inexorably in the moment i'd completely forgotten about this even though i was very excited at the start i'm very annoyed that you wouldn't give it to me immediately what is my christmas present chris so what i've done is i've identified what i think are three of your favorite facts from the podcast so far and I've inserted you into them. Like in a in a nice Christmassy way, or, or are we, it's just like a, a sexy thing. How would it be a sexy thing? Um, like inserted me into 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 a fact. I, I don't know, Chris, I've watched too much porn. I mean, I've put you in the fact, like you are part of the fact. You're involved in the fact. Already you've you've started ruining this. Barely a sentence in. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I, listen, listen, Chris. Chris, I love you a lot. Please tell me how you've inserted me into this fact. So, um, I took each of the facts and I made a crude copy of it and isolated the copy to avoid any entanglement with the original. I won't go into the specifics of quantum fact theory but without isolation any changes made to the copy could affect the original fact and end up altering the space-time continuum so with the copy of the fact isolated i manipulated it so that you piper doors are part of it so these facts aren't actually true they're kind of like fan fiction crude versions of an original with new characters Fact fiction, if you will. Although according to certain interpretations of quantum theory, I might have created three alternate dimensions in which these facts are true. I mean, let's just go with it. Let's see what happens. So are you ready for your gift of facts? I'm frothing. So the first fact is, the Nazis published their own superhero called Piper Frau. Ah! Oh! 
When Elsa Muller dons her fake toothbrush moustache and shouts her catchphrase, Zura Vigen Herlikite des Vaterlandes, she transforms into Piperfrau, a three-metre-tall, muscle-bound version of Piper Dawes, with super strength and the ability to extemporise nationalist scar songs to reduce the intelligence of her enemies. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. I love that. Despite the, the disparaging nature of the fact. I've always wanted to be a superhero, so thank you. How did you know? I mean, do you want to be a Nazi superhero, though? I mean, there's no smoke without fire. What the hell do you mean by that? Are you admitting to something, Piper? Because no smoke without fire basically means that you wanting to be a superhero is indicative of something deeper, of maybe you being a secret fascist. <laughs> Speaking of which, Piper, your second fact is Benito Mussolini had an imaginary friend called Piper Dawes. <laughs> right. Okay. First of all, first of all, you've made it so that you can't edit out my inherent Nazism. <laughs> so <laughs> you've done that. You've made a link. You've made a link to the second thing and you've done that on your own. And I can't take that away from you at all. No matter what I say. <laughs> That is how you link it. <laughs> Fuck. Piper Dawes acted as a kind of devil's advocate for the fascist leader. As Mussolini developed his ideology, Piper Dawes would suggest that maybe he instead become a ska musician. Ultimately, though, Piper Dawes and the musical genre of ska had little effect and Italy suffered 21 years of fascist rule and inspired other fascist leaders, such as Federico Franco and Adolf Hitler. So good job, Scar. <laughs> I feel like maybe Chris, I know I get this weird feeling this is less about Christmas and more about you fucking hating Scar music. Well, there's one more fact, so shall we get on? Okay. The Brazilian army has a battalion of Piper Busters. But- Pray tell. So Brazil is a devoutly Catholic nation and as such believes that Armageddon is approaching. They also believe that a sign of the coming apocalypse is the increase in Piper Dawes activity, such as the housebound Scar Collective, Chinchilla Death Cult, and the frankly bizarre continued popularity of Scar. In order to protect their national interests, the Brazilian military has put together a battalion of Piper Busters, the Piper Normal Operations Battalion, to combat Piper Dawes and her malicious influence wherever they may rise. I mean, I, I, I love this, and also, I hate you. That's exactly what I was going for. <sighs> Merry Christmas, Piper. <sighs> Fuck off. <laughs> I mean, Merry Christmas, Chris. Merry Christmas, what a wonderful time this is. Okay, that's it. You've been listening to the Chickens Can't See Cubes Christmas special with me, Piper Dawes. I can be found on Twitter at Piper Talks and Christopher Parr from the Munchausen Institute. I can be found on Twitter at Trilby Norton and the Institute can be found at Muin Photo Ray Ray, which is M-U-I-N-F-O-T-O-R-E-R-E. And you can contact the podcast on Twitter at C-Cubes. That's S-W-E-C-U-B-E-S. And Facebook and Instagram at Chickens Can't See Cubes. 
Thank you so much for listening to Chickens Can't See Cubes. And remember, you probably could make it up, but we haven't. Honest. And we'll catch you once again on next week's show. Merry Christmas, everybody. Bye. Merry Christmas and a happy new year and um, other stuff. I'm doing my shopping at the moment. Um, do you want? What, do you, Do you want a present? Do you want anything for Christmas? I'd really like a PS5. A PS5 is that some sort of academic uh, research? Oh, you fucked it, Piper! You fucked it completely. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you've really, oh, you've really pissed me off. That I'm not even joking. Oh, why? Because you're meant to say, like, you're meant to think I mean the games console, and I start talking about a academic thing that's called a PS5. Oh, if I, the thing is, Chris, and what you've I've done... absolutely, no, completely no, fucked it, and I hate I'm, you. I'm so sorry, but the, on, on the plus side, I've not fucked it by saying something stupid. I've said something that actually you were already thinking of. Are you going to be mad at me for the rest of the show now? Yep. Merry fucking Christmas.